All right, let's start like this. Grace is the force that makes. Say it with me. Grace is the force that makes. We have it on the screen, but they can't see it with that background. If you could choose a different background that's darker, they'd be able to see it. Grace is the force that makes, but faith is the force that takes. The grace of God, let's use salvation for an instance. The grace of God makes salvation available. But just because salvation has been made available does not mean that everybody gets it automatically. Because faith has to take what grace has made available. Now, the scripture says that faith comes by hearing the word of God preached. Now, whether that's the word of God preached concerning salvation or the word of God preached concerning any other promise, it all comes the same way. It's the same process. You have to hear about the promise before you can believe for it. And you have to believe for it before you can take it. And not only has salvation been made available by grace through faith, every other promise in the scripture works the same way. Every promise that God has given us, it's by grace through faith. So my salvation is by grace through faith. My deliverance from spiritual oppression, by grace through faith. My healing, same way, by grace through faith. My prosperity, by grace through faith. Grace makes it all available, but it requires faith to take it. And the same is true with dominion. You receive dominion the same way you receive salvation, deliverance, prosperity, healing, any of those things. First, you have to hear it preached. And then you must take it, you must possess it, and you must live it. Everybody say, dominion. I must take it. I must possess it. I must live it. What is dominion? Dominion is a spirit that manifests the authority of God's kingdom in the earth. When Isaiah talks about the seven spirits of God, one of the seven spirits of God is the spirit of might. That word might, there is dominion. So dominion is a spirit, it comes from God, and it manifests the authority of God's kingdom in the earth. As a believer, you have authority over foul spirits. You have authority over negative thought patterns. You have authority over toxic, spiritual, regional devils that influence the way things are done in our society. Those systems are subject to you as a believer. But if you don't know what you have authority and dominion over, you will leave promises on the table as a Christian. And you'll take salvation at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, but be dominated in every other area of your life. Be subject to spiritual attack. Be subject to depression. Be subject to generational curses. Be subject to self-doubt, anxiety, negative self-talk. Be subject to every other weapon that the enemy has because you do not realize what what Jesus has made available to you through the promises in his word. So five things about dominion. Dominion is a spirit. Number two, dominion is a grace. 
Number three, dominion is an anointing. Number four, dominion is a force. Say number four with me. Dominion is a force. We're here to release that force in this house today. Dominion is a force. Something that gets behind you and pushes you when you face resistance from the enemy. Number five, dominion is a blessing. Right hand in the air. I receive the blessing of dominion. Now. Dominion manifests in conflict. I'm going to say it again. Dominion manifests in conflict. You got two fighters in the ring. The one that wins is the one that took dominion over the other. But you can't have a fighter that has dominion if he's the only fighter stepping in the ring. You have to have a conflict. You have to have opposition in, other, in order for dominion to be manifested. And that brings us to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. The scripture is cluing us in on some of the conflict, some of the opposition, some of the warfare we will face as a Christian. In fact, many of you didn't even know what you were walking into when you accepted the Lord. Because all while you were living for the devil, he was leaving you alone. But as soon as you said, I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus and start doing the right thing, all hell breaks loose in your life and attacks that you never saw before start coming against you. Resistance and pressure and difficulty that never tracked you before are tracking you now. Why? It's because hell paints a target on every sanctified, blood-bought, spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ. So Paul tells us, he said, though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, though we walk in the flesh, though we live in the natural flesh world, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is to say they are not natural but mighty in God. And they do three things. Number one, pulling down strongholds. Number two, casting down arguments. Number three, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let's look at them one at a time. Pulling down strongholds. Strongholds there means cyclical spiritual curses. Everyone say it. Cyclical spiritual curses and then personal generational demons if you study how demons operate in the scripture demons do not attack uh, one at a time demons do not attack on an individual isolated basis demons attack regions you remember when Jesus in Mark chapter 5 cast the devil out of the demoniac, the devil screamed and cried and pleaded with Jesus that they would send, he would send them into the pigs. Why did they want to go into the pigs? You know, they wanted to stay in the region. They had been cursing that region for hundreds of years. And they didn't want to lose the ground that they had taken. That's what the enemy does. He stalks regions and then he stalks families generational curses you know so great granddaddy had a bad temper and it sent him to jail and granddaddy had a bad temper and it sent him to jail and daddy had a temper and it sent him to jail now junior's got a temper and he just threw the teacher up against the wall and now junior's in jail 
it's, it's not an accident. It's not a happenstance. It's not coincidence. The sins of one generation that invite curses will visit every single generation. You, if you don't overcome it in your life, it will be visiting your children. If they don't come overcome it in their life, it will be visiting your grandchildren. The problems and difficulties that we face as families, the, the enemy doesn't just see you as one individual family member. He sees you as a member of a collective whole of generations. There's generations of sides that have had to battle certain things. My father had to overcome 10 generational curses in order to keep them from coming on to me that had plagued the previous five generations. So demons are generational. They're generational. Debt, poverty. It's not just that you can't manage money. It's not just that not enough money's coming in. There is a demon of poverty attacking your forward progress and motion, attacking your finances, attacking and tempting you at every turn. You are fighting things you don't realize that you're fighting. Strongholds cyclical spiritual curses but as a believer in Jesus Christ one blessing that you may have left on the table is you have a right by the word of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus to cancel and break generational curses it must be broken Jesus blood was too pure and too powerful and his blood covers our sin and the curses that attach to the sin his blood covers it all so no matter what happened with your great-grandparents and your grandparents and your parents that stuff does not have to stay in your life and keep manifesting trouble and misery to the next generation put up your hand and say it stops with me number two he says, pulling down strongholds, number one, then casting down arguments. Everybody say, casting down arguments. Now, he's not talking about arguments that you have with, with people. You know, He's not talking about arguments you have with your spouse. You know, Don't argue with me, I have dominion over you. He's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about arguments that you have within yourself. Oh, I wish somebody would preach more to us about arguments we have to live with within ourselves. I found it to be true that nobody will argue with you like you will argue with yourself. Self-doubt, low self-esteem, doubting God's promise, and doubting the future's going to be good. And it's like all we accomplish in our lives, we have to accomplish in spite of the self-doubt. God gives you an instinct to step out and start your own business and you're putting everything in place. And what people don't know that are jealous of you is every single night you had to stay up and fight in your bed. The self-doubt telling you that you were going to fail, that you were going to go under, that you were going to go bankrupt, that it wasn't going to work. And you had to press through and do everything you've done in the face of self-doubt. I wonder what you would have accomplished if you didn't have to deal with the self-doubt. Doubting God's promise. You know, you get a word from God in church and it fills you with faith and your faith is just leaping. But then by the time you get home and get ready to put some of those things into action, you start doubting the promise that God's word gave you. You start doubting the word that God sent to you. 
And then doubting the future is going to be good. So many of us deal with this, you know. You face so much opposition in the first half of your life that your mind is conditioned, whether we like to talk about it or not. Your mind is conditioned to think, wonder what's going to hit me next. Oh, I wish I had some honest people. You know what it's like to be in a good season but not be able to really enjoy it? Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, wonder what's going to hit me next. Have you ever had to live through a season where you were terrified every time the phone rang? Because when the phone rang, you picked it up wondering, wonder what's going to hit me next. Doubting the future is going to be good. That's in the category, 2 Corinthians 10 is talking about of arguments. And then number three, every high thing. Everybody say high thing. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. High things are demonic thought systems that resist God's word. We see them planted in our culture. We see them planted in our media. We see them planted in our entertainment, in our books. We see them planted by the idols that are offered to us by the world. And it's all, those are all the results of thoughts and impressions given to the world system by demonic spirits seeking to steer the course of this world. That's what Paul said. He said, remember when you were dead in sin and you were walking according to the course of this world? The course of this world is established by high place demons, principality demons, high rank level demons. And they don't want to scare you and show up in your room with a pitchfork and a forked tail. They want to control your life through thieves. They want to control your life by in interjecting thoughts into your thought stream, interjecting impressions and ideas into your thought stream. The, the demonic world and the demonic system is not about scaring you. It's about controlling you. In Ephesians 6, 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul describes the ranks of all of the high things. Look at Ephesians 6. We're all waiting on you. Go faster. Ephesians chapter 6. Make sure I got it right. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Here's what we're wrestling against. Principalities. That's organized, ranked demons. Okay? If you're able to overcome a lower rank, a higher rank one will come and hit you. That's why Jesus said when he was teaching his parable, he said it's dangerous when you cast the enemy out of a house because they're going to go through dry places and find no rest and they'll get seven stronger devils than they are and come back to the house, find that it's been swept and clean and the state of the man at the end will be worse than it was in the beginning. What is that? It's rank and file, military style leadership in the enemy's camp, in the enemy's system. Rank devils, that's principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Then he defines them all. He coalesces them all together against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places or in high places. So when you talk about high things, high places, 
You're talking about spiritual wickedness. That's what some of you have been dealing with, spiritual wickedness. But as a believer, you have been given by Jesus dominion over spiritual wickedness. Hand up again. I receive the blessing of dominion. Spiritual wickedness will not reign over me. Oh, I feel that. Spiritual wickedness will not reign over me. It will not reign in my neighborhood. It will not reign in my house. It will not reign over my children. It will not reign over my bloodline. Spiritual wickedness will not reign over me. I receive the blessing of dominion. Shout it. I receive the blessing of dominion. Judges chapter 6 is our first case study. I'm a third of the way done. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree while Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press trying to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites had sieged Israel and they were dominating them by controlling their harvest economy. Israel's primary economy was a grain economy, so they existed financially based off what they could grow. Well, the Midianites came in 350,000 in number, and they surrounded all of their harvest fields so that every time Israel planted a seed and the harvest would come up, the Midianites would come and take the harvest that Israel had planted. And they forced them into caves. Interestingly enough, they called these caves strongholds. So the enemy forced God's people into a stronghold. And we're seeing the same thing today in the body of Christ. You're saved, you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you love God and you come to church. But there are areas in your life that the enemy has forced you into a stronghold. And there you are hiding, threshing your wheat in a wine press because the enemy has you sieged. And into this environment, God comes and he speaks to Gideon. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon is dealing with, remember 2 Corinthians 10, strongholds, arguments, spiritual wickedness in high places, right? Gideon's dealing with a argument, telling him that he's not enough, self-doubt arguing with the promise of God, arguing with the word that God is sending him. So notice what he says when God says, you mighty men of valor. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord was with us, why has all this happened to us? And I can't blame Gideon because sometimes I've felt like that. If you've been to church any amount of time, Sometimes you come to church when all hell's breaking loose and there's a screaming preacher coming up there telling you God's for you, God's with you, God's on your side. And what you think in the back of your mind, that argument comes up and it says, well, if God is with me, then why is all this mess? Where's the honest people? If God's really for me, why is all this mess happening in my life? And where are all his miracles? all y'all preach about at Christian world is miracles. Well, where's all the miracles for me? Which he told us saying the Lord did bring them out of Egypt. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now you can be saved, called and used by God and still be subjected to a demonic argument. This is what Gideon is fighting here. A demonic argument. What is a demonic argument? It's any argument that is contrary to the word of Christ. 
It's any argument that is contrary to the word of God. And Gideon is, is dealing with an argument. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, this is the blessing of dominion. God's about to put his spirit of might. God says, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now Gideon brings up the generational curse he's dealing with. God has taken him out of the argument. So now Gideon brings up the other demonic principalities dealing with, which is a generational curse. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my house. In other words, of all the tr 12 tribes, Manasseh is the weakest one. And of all the families in Manasseh, our family is the weakest one. And in the weakest family, I am the weakest one. And you might feel like you are the weakest link, that you are the weakest one. But when the blessing of the Lord's dominion comes upon your life, God will take the weakest, lowest, most broken, most pitiful person and raise them up with dominion and give them victory. Look at what God said to him. Look at what God said. Verse 16. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. In other words, you're the weakest in the whole territory and that's why I chose you. Because if I chose the strongest one in the territory and they got the victory, they would walk off the battlefield and take credit for what they did in their own strength. But I'm going to use the weakest one so that when everybody sees it, they'll say, surely there must be a God in heaven that has given you the victory. And I want to tell you, sometimes being the weakest one is the thing that qualifies you for God to show off his power in your life because when God gets through blessing you with the blessing of dominion everyone that sees what you accomplish will stand back and say there must be a God in heaven there must be the hand of the Lord over their life 350,000 to 1 Gideon goes out he gets 30,000 soldiers gathered around him and then God says take them all down to the river and I want you to have all these 30,000. I, I want you to stand them up and I want you to say something to them. I want you to say to them, every one of you that's scared, go home. Sometimes I wish I could say stuff like that in church. I just get mad at some people sometimes, you know. Just go home, you know. And Gideon thinks, you know, that's going to be an inspiring, you know, I'm not scared type of speech. But when he does, half of them go home. Then God says, I want you to tell them all to get a drink. And I want you to watch how they drink. He said, uh, he said, everybody that just brings their mouth down to the water and just drinks it in. Tell them, go home. But everybody that bends down on their knee and brings the water from where it is up to them and keeps their eyes on the enemy lines. I want you to go to war with those. And Gideon looks 
And there's only 300 men drinking the right way. So he tells all the rest of them. That's good, sir. So he goes out to the battlefield with 300 against 350,000 enemies. And God says, I'm going to give you a strategy and you're not going to have to fight. He said, the strategy is I want you to take my original material. First thing I used. What was it in Genesis 1? In the beginning was, well, I don't know, but in the beginning was, was, was what? God. And uh, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, let there be. I want you to take a torch of light. And I want you to put it down inside a clay picture. And then I want you to get you a trumpet, which is a type of the prophetic. The prophet said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. And he said, I want you to take the weapons of a trumpet and then a torch hidden inside a clay picture. And I want you to go out to the battlefield. I want you to blow the trumpet. Then I want you to take the torch that's in the clay pot. And I want you to break the clay. When the enemy hears the sound of the broken clay and they see the light and they hear the trumpet, I'll give you the victory. So Gideon goes out there and they all throw their clay pots down and they break, they blow their trumpets, they shout. And the sound causes such a prophetic disturbance in the atmosphere that it literally breaks the principality and the power that was motivating those enemies to come against Gideon to the point that the Bible said in all the confusion, the enemy turned on each other and they all killed themselves. Ooh, it's prophetic in here. Ooh, it's prophetic in here. Ooh, I feel something. I just feel something. When you break the clay treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. When you break the box of your flesh and let the light of God out, when you lift up your voice like the sound of a trumpet, declaring the last prophetic word you have received, God will take care of the enemy. You won't have to fight this battle. The enemy will take care of themselves. Then, then Jephthah, Jephthah, Judges 11. I like this one. Jephthah was going to use the, Gideon used the blessing of dominion to break the generational curse of fear, self-doubt, and he used dominion, the blessing of dominion to break negative self-talk, low self-esteem, arguments, okay? Jephthah is going to use the blessing of dominion to break the generational curse of shame. Let's look at it. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. And let me just say, Gilead was a bad man. You know, Gilead was the one he was writing about when he said, is there not a balm in Gilead? You know, they, they still writing songs about there is a balm in Gilead. It's on Kanye West's new choir CD. There's a balm in Gilead. Well, this is the one they were talking about. He was a good man, loved God. Gilead was, he was great. He just had an issue with a stronghold of perversion and going to see harlots. See, I preach like this 
Because I'm so sick and tired of great people in the kingdom of God acting like they don't have any issues. Because it makes it impossible for the rest of us who are listening to the preaching to think that we can ever go anywhere in God. But the Bible was clear. It says Abraham was a liar. David was an adulterer and a murderer. That Rahab was a harlot. The Bible is clear that God will use people that have issues and give them the blessing of dominion to overcome those issues and do great things for him. Shall I have the blessing of dominion? Jephthah the Gileadite was a was a mighty man of valor but every one of you got a butt in your life <laughs> just ask your neighbor where's your butt he's a mighty man of valor but he was the son of a harlot this one verse encapsulates the paradox that we all go through in our lives because there are many areas where you are mighty. But there are also areas where there is shame because of what happened in the past. And through no fault of his own, Jephthah was born with a generational curse of shame over his life. And a result, as a result of it, when he got old enough to be able to claim an inheritance, the, the brothers from Gilead's actual wife, you know, his half-brothers, they came to him and they said, your very appearance is the reminder that our father messed up. Your very appearance is like an icon of the shame on our family. So this is what we want you to do. We want you to get out. Get out of the place you was raised. Get out of the place where you have friends and community. We want you out and don't think any inheritance from our family is going to come to you. Now, it's not like Jephthah chose to be born from a harlot. Through no fault of his own, his father's curse. was visited on him and it drove him out but then the crazy thing to me is that uh verse number four says it came to pass after a time everybody say after a time oh i feel that that's prophetic after a time it came to pass after a time thank you for the anointing lord jesus it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. Jephthah said to them, did you not hate me? And expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of people over the years I've wanted yeah. to say that too. How about you? Oh, you get in trouble. And now you want to come to me. Why do you want to come to me now in your distress? And it's so interesting that God made the same people. 
I prophesy this over your life. That the same people that used to hate you and told you to get out, that they never wanted to see you again. God will allow an enemy to hit them that they cannot deal with. And they will have to come back to you because you may have problems and you may have some shame in your past. But you do have a dominion that no one else in your circle has. And so they have to come back to the one who has dominion. And through the blessing of dominion, God is breaking the curse of shame. The high thing, the principality, the power, the thing that had pushed him out, the thing that had severed him from his inheritance, dominion on his life caused those same people to come back to him and I want you to watch your phone over the next couple of months I want you to watch your phone because the same people that said I'm cutting you off I never want to see you again you can't ever do anything with me I don't want to partner with you anymore I don't want to work with you anymore those same people are going to come calling and they don't even know why they just know that there is something on you and something in your life that causes you to be able to deal with enemies they cannot deal with and when they ask you what it is tell them it is the blessing of dominion the blessing of dominion the blessing of dominion is on your life the blessing of dominion is on your life the blessing of dominion is on your life and then thirdly Samson Samson in Judges chapter 15 is dealing with the ranks of the demonic forces against him. First, he deals with 30 Philistines that come against him and he kills them. Then he deals with the gates of Gaza. They tried to trap him in, but he grabbed the gates of Gaza off their hinges. And you know you're growing in dominion when you start taking authority at the gates. Every business has a gate. Every organization has a gate. Every family has a gate. If you get that family member to love you, the rest of them will love you. If you get that person at the job to love you, the rest of them will love you. They are gatekeepers and gates. So God gives Samson dominion at the gates. He rips them off and kills the enemy with them. So he's moving himself up the ranks of spiritual warfare. But he has not yet encountered spiritual wickedness. So now it's not 30 Philistines. Now it's not 300 Philistines. 3,000 Philistines come against him and they, they can't beat him in the realm of natural warfare, hand-to-hand -hand combat. They've tried, they have failed. And the enemy is smarter than believers. The enemy knows that if you can't beat them in the natural, you have to start attacking them in the spirit. So the enemy enters into the highest realm of his warfare against Samson. He goes into spiritual wickedness in high places. So they go to the rock Edom, the high place where Samson is encamped. And the enemy goes to the men of Judah, 3,000 men. And the men of Judah are his family. They're his people. They're his blood. Now, the Philistines say, 
we're going to kill all of y'all if you don't give us Samson. We have the authority over y'all. We have the authority over you as a people, over your lands. We have all the dominion. And if you don't give us Samson, we're going to kill all of you. And they manipulated through fear and intimidation the people of Judah, the people of God, Samson's own blood. They manipulated them into going to bind Samson. Now notice, if the enemy could have bound Samson, he would have. But when the enemy can't bind you, sometimes he'll use what your heart is in to bind you. Oh, I'm preaching now. When he can't, when he can't get to you, he'll use whatever your heart is tied up in to attack you and tie you up. So because the enemy can't deal with Samson, he goes to his family, the people of Judah, the one, the one Samson was sent to serve and deliver. And he poisons their mind through spiritual wickedness. And says, I want you to go manipulate Samson. Manipulation is one of the highest forms of witchcraft. Okay? Don't give me a pentagram and candles all around it and chicken blood and chicken feet. That's low level. You want a high level? Manipulation. Anytime someone tries to use their relationship with you or your emotions or your past or your mistakes to try to manipulate you, you are dealing with witchcraft. The apostle Paul says manipulation is as the sin of witchcraft. So the men of Judah come to Samson. And are able to do what the enemy cannot do. They bind him with new ropes. They tied him up. Now, the Philistines are wickedness. But when you see the enemy poisoning your own to go against you, that's not wickedness. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't know if you know how good this is. Remember? It's not against flesh and blood that we're fighting. Okay? Spiritual wickedness. High places. Remember? Weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, mighty through God. The pulling down of strongholds. The casting down of arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Samson is dealing with the most insidious type of attack, the type of attack where the enemy poisons people's thinking against you. And then they manipulate you because you love them. Be careful who you give your heart to. Because the enemy doesn't have to hit you to hurt you. Sometimes he'll hit what your heart is in. So here his own people are tying him up and leading him down to the Philistines. Have you ever been tied up? Have you ever been manipulated? Have you ever been bound by people that you were trying to help 
Have you ever been hurt by people who you were given a handout to? Have you ever been lied on by people that you protected their reputation? Have you ever been fought by people that you were fighting for? There is no pain like feeding somebody and then having them turn around and steal from you. There is no pain like raising somebody up and then having them turn around and cut the legs out from underneath you. There is no pain in the emotions quite like somebody you're helping trying to hurt you. And if you're not careful, it can take your mind. The betrayal of it, the frustration of it, the pain of it. When you lay down, you start remembering all the things you did and all the sacrifices you made and how there were times they wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for you. And now they're going to let the enemy attack them into attacking you. So they bring him down in front of three thousand Philistines verse 14 when they came to Lehi the place that the enemy thought was their high place when they came to Lehi the Philistines came shouting the Hebrew word says roaring against him then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire. His bonds broke loose from his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached his hand out and took it. You don't need what you think you need. You're putting your warfare on hold because you don't think you have the weapons. You're putting your business on hold because you don't think you have the tools. You're putting writing that book on hold because you don't think you have the tools. You don't need what you think you need. The blessing of dominion will not only give you authority in high places over spiritual wickedness, but the blessing of dominion will enable you to take things that don't look like weapons and make them weapons of mass destruction. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you are not outnumbered. You are not in a position of weakness you are not in a position of poverty and brokenness you are not in a position where you have nothing at your hands to have access to God has given you dominion through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you can win this battle help me preach push three people say you can win this battle give the Lord praise in the house this morning come on give the Lord praise in the house this morning Give him praise in the house this morning. The blessing of dominion is on your life. Shout it. The blessing of dominion is on my life. Shout it. The blessing of dominion is on my life. It is not. Remain standing. It is not the will and purpose and plan of God for you to be dominated by the enemy. It is the will and plan and purpose of God for you to take dominion. He said, we're fighting against something that enacts strongholds against us. Something that enacts arguments against us. 
from the inside and we're fighting against spiritual wickedness high places Gideon had to use dominion to overcome that self-argument if God was really with us why is all this coming against us Jephthah had to use that to come against that generational curse of shame you do not have to follow the same pattern that was modeled for you you do not have to give in to the same temptations that your mama gave into or that your grandmama gave into the story can change with you I mean even if there's shame in the past there was shame in Jephthah's past but the shame didn't cancel the dominion of God in his life the shame of your past does not cancel the dominion God has given you in your life I'm gonna say it again the shame of your past does not cancel the dominion that God has given you in your life and then and then for that highest level the spiritual wickedness in high places the strong I've noticed this in my life the stronger the attack is against you the stronger the spirit of the Lord's dominion comes upon you and our God has never lost a battle there is no match in heaven or earth or under the earth for our God our God is Lord of Lords and has all dominion but we're leaving a lot on the table we're dying between two thieves the thieves of our own ignorance of the promise and the thieves represented by the enemy that comes to steal kill and destroy that is not the will of God for you the will of God for you is to know what the word says know what you have available to you and take dominion I speak over every person who has a generational curse over their life in fact listen if you if I was talking about generational curses and you notice certain patterns in your family tree and you thought to yourself you know what I may be fighting something that don't even belong to me I may be fighting something that came from ancient family I may be fighting something from the past that's not even my fault it's just it's just visiting me because it visited my family if if that thought crossed your mind I want to lay hands on you and pray the blessing of dominion over your life would you please come if that if that hit you the generational thing if that hit you now service isn't over because I'm praying service isn't over because I'm praying we're not dismissing it but I, I want to take this moment really quickly I want to take this moment really quickly hallelujah hallelujah part and parcel of the apostolic anointing is to bind and to loose uh, to establish and to break uh, we're doing that right now the New Testament book of James doctrine is given to the apostolics in the church the laying on of hands it's a New Testament doctrine and we believe the scripture says call for the elders of the church in the book of James anoint them with oil lay hands on them and speak healing and what we're going to be speaking is we're going to be speaking healing from generational wounds we're going to speak the breaking of generational curses and we're going to be speaking the blessing of the Lord over your life the blessing of dominion everyone say healing 
curse is broken. The blessing of the Lord. The blessing of dominion on my life. Elders of the church, extend your hands. In the name of Jesus. In the elders of the church, come to me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Anoint the people of God. We break the curse. Every generational curse. We break it in the name of Jesus. He is my faithful father calling me out of the dark. Sing that if you know it. Night cannot whisper away what he said in the night. Oh, he's mine. He is my first. Raise your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, over every household, I plead the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we got enough battles to fight in life. We will not fight demonic oppression in our house. We will not fight spirits of depression and anxiety. We will not fight spiritual wickedness and sickness. Jesus suffered too much on the cross for us to be subject to the wiles of the devil. Today we put on the armor of God. Today we put on the helmet of salvation. We take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Today we declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Today we declare we are blessed. And today we declare the blessing of dominion is on my life. Say it one more time. The blessing of dominion is on my life. The blessing of dominion is on my life. The blessing of dominion. Say it like a madman. Say it like a mad woman. The blessing of dominion is on my life. Give God praise if you receive it. I want to challenge you at this time to get an offering of some kind. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but I want you to make this your dominion offering. That this year begins a decade of dominion in your life. Some of you have had a decade of warfare, a decade of wounds, a decade of weeping, a decade of difficulties. But I believe God is ushering us into a decade of dominion. I want you to get that, whatever it is. Some of you may want to put 2020 together and give a $40 dominion seed. But whatever you do, whatever you give, whatever you do, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But get you a dominion offering, a dominion seed. Everyone lift up your hands. Father, for those who are giving in this offering to bless your house, and even for those who want to give but don't have the means, we speak the blessing of dominion over their life. We speak the blessing of the Lord's dominion over their life. That they have power over principalities, powers, darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. That they are casting down arguments that are contrary to the word of the Lord. That they are pulling down strongholds. That every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God must come down in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak the blessing of dominion over their life. We speak protection and strength over them. We speak financial prosperity and blessing over them. Lord, you're a debtor to no man. When we give into your kingdom, you prosper us. And Lord, all of these things, we offer our prayer to heaven sealed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it.
Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can come and give your dominion offering. We love you so much. We will see you Wednesday night. God bless you.